Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and this is episode number 312 of the podcast. It's the 12th of January, 2022, as I record this intro. And this week, Sarah Davidson, Unschooling Mom of Two, joins me to explore the breadth of unschooling. Sarah shares her journey from controlling conventional parenting to the connected relationships she has with her children now. We talk about many of the paradigm shifts she made along the way and how her entire view of parenting and learning has changed. Sarah also shares so many insightful observations about how unschooling has not only affected her relationships with her children, but also with her husband and herself. Our conversation was so much fun, and I'm excited to share it with you. I also want to mention that I'm bringing back Q&A episodes on the podcast more regularly. Listeners have shared that the Q&A episodes are some of their favorites in the archive, so Anna Brown and Erica Ellis will be joining me each month to explore your unschooling questions. What's special about our Q&A conversations is that we aren't focused on giving anyone the quote right answer, because there isn't a universal right answer for any situation that works for everyone. As you've heard me say plenty of times on the podcast, context matters. Instead, our focus is on contemplating the situation from the different perspectives of those involved and playing with the kinds of questions we might ask ourselves to better understand the nuances of the challenge. It's kind of like tilling the soil around the question, maybe picking up a rock or two to examine with an eye to helping the questioner and by extension, the listeners, better understand what might be going on through the lens of unschooling. If you have a question you'd like to ask, you'll find a link in the show notes to send it to us. It's really easy to do, and we're looking forward to exploring your questions. Now, before we dive into the episode proper, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Whether you've been supporting the podcast for a month or two or for years, thank you so very much. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and the transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now, here's my conversation with Sarah. Welcome. I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Sarah Davidson. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Pam. (laughs) I have really enjoyed learning more about you and your family in the network over the last few months, so I'm so excited to learn more about your unschooling experiences and to get us started Can you share with us a bit about you and your family? And I'd love to know what everybody's interested in right now. Oh, sure. I'd love to. And up, uh, just up front, I wanted to just say I'm really honored to be here. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I've been listening to you for years. So this is really a treat for me and I appreciate it. Thank you. 
And so a little bit about my family. So we live in the Pacific Northwest um, in the United States. And the humans in my family are Joe, who's my partner. There's, of course, me. And then there's Izzy and Ryan are my two kids. And then we do have some non-human members as well, um, which are my golden retriever, Toby. We've got two guinea pigs named Pumpkin and Oreo. We have a California king snake named Duo. And then we have temporarily a Pacific sideband snail named Clover. So those are our non-human members <laughs> that kind of add like a richness to, to our days for sure. And so for Ryan, Ryan is nine and Ryan is really big into gaming. He loves all kinds of computer games and particularly he loves strategy games. So like Roblox Rise of Nations where he gets to become a country and then through strategies and you know um, alliances, he gets to you know conquer the globe basically in this kind of large strategy game. And he's also recently gotten into kind of ancient warriors like the Romans and the Spartans and the Persians. And there are lots of computer games that feed to that interest as well, like Totally Accurate Battle Simulator, which is this uh, game where he can go in and create custom Spartan warriors and then fight them against each other. And then he's also gotten into this game recently called Rome 2, where becomes these various units, you know, he can design his army with his generals and then he can go in and, you know, attack other units and, and see how that all plays out. So that's really been fun. And he's also kind of my numbers and stats kids. So, you know, he knows every boost and the area of effect and the damage and the attack speed. And he just knows all these statistics for all of these characters and these games that he's playing. It's really quite amazing the just the breadth and depth of knowledge that he has with all these numbers and things like that. Um, and so Ryan is also my big body movements kid. So he loves to do parkour at the park. He loves wrestling. He loves being tickled, tackling this punching bag that we've got in, in our living room, just um, coming up with all different custom tackling combos and stuff. And then he loves this game that we've kind of made ourselves called, we call it Ball Wars, where every night we have these giant exercise balls and we don't use them at all like they were intended, I don't think, but how we use it is um, we're all on our exercise balls and the goal is to not touch the ground. And you can touch the walls, but you can't touch the ground in any way. And so the goal is to basically knock the other player off their exercise ball <laughs> so that they hit the ground. And he just loves that game because it's lots of kicking and rolling and just all kinds of smashing into the ground. So he's a big body movements guy for sure. Um, and then the other things he loves is he loves his fidget toys. Right now he's really into these micro magnets, these tiny little magnets, you know, that come in these packages of 40 and 50 and you can manipulate them in all kinds of interesting ways. Um, he also loves wordplay. So anything with like rhyming or puns or jokes or anything like that, he's really into. And then finally, a very defining and just lovely feature of Ryan is he seems to be able to get comfortable in whichever room and in whichever position he's in, he knows how to get comfortable and he loves his sleeping bag. So it's just amazing to me to walk into this room and find Ryan relaxed in a position 
and in a way that I never would have imagined you could relax in. <laughs> so he's that kid. He's that that kid for me. Hey, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, like just off, like, how are you sitting like that? And <laughs> actually comfortable. Yeah, so he's he's that guy. Um, and then there's Izzy, who's 11. And I just want to say up front that Izzy recently requested um, to change their name or wants to be called by Izzy. Um, so if I slip and I call them Isaac, I'm actually talking about Izzy. So I'm trying to do that switch. And then also their pronouns, like I might mess up a little bit on their pronouns. So I'm really working on that. But just an upfront, um, Isaac is Izzy if I if I slip like that. Wonderful. So, Izzy loves to laugh and be silly. They're a very playful, um, a playful person. And they love playing Fortnite and Minecraft with their friends online, but in a silly kind of way, not like a seriously competitive kind of way. Um, they're really into driving all kinds of vehicles and flying planes. And so what that means for them right now is they're really into this um, game called Microsoft Flight Simulator, which is a super realistic, beautiful flying simulation game where they can fly all over the world in all different types of aircraft. Um, they love design, so they'll go into Roblox Bloxburg and build these beautiful aesthetic houses. And they also do the same kind of design in Minecraft. Um, they love listening to this calming music, lo-fi, while they're doing this creating. So that's really cool. Um, and then they just love their stuffed animals. Like we're, we're every year we, we're, inviting new stuffed animal friends into Izzy's world because they just love stuffed animals so much. And then, you know, thinking about the ocean and ocean conservation and plastics and things like that are also something that's really on Izzy's mind lately. So that's Izzy in a nutshell. And then I've got Joe and Joe is 40 and he is a faculty member at Oregon State University. Um, he's really interested in robotics and machine learning, and though he doesn't get to golf in real life, he's got some favorite golf YouTubers that he loves to watch and relax to, and he loves soccer. So every Saturday morning, I can pretty much guarantee when I come downstairs, because Joe wakes up before I do, that there's going to be some sort of European soccer match on the television, and, <laughs> and his favorite um his favorite European league is the Bundesliga in German in, in Germany. So um, he, he really enjoys watching soccer. And then when he has the time, he really enjoys leisure cooking, um, particularly like international cuisines, gets a lot of inspiration from Korean cuisines and things like that. Um, he enjoys machining and metalworking, but again, hasn't had a whole lot of time to dive into that in real life. So he watches a lot of the YouTubers like this old Tony is one of his favorite uh, machinist uh, YouTubers. Uh, he loves Marvel movies, particularly the ones with Thor in them. And I think he's watched all the Marvel movies like multiple <laughs> times and just really enjoys, you know, that kind of fantasy world. Um, and then he also really enjoys um, unwinding after work by playing Fortnite with this friend he's got who's long distance. So he really enjoys playing Fortnite as well. And then there's me and I'm 39 and I'm a, a stay-at-home mom and I'm the primary unschooling parent. And up until uh, 2020, when COVID really hit, I was working part-time like in and out of the home. But since COVID kicked in, um, I have I have pulled back and I'm definitely just, uh, just, I am a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> there's really no justice there. It's like, that's a full-time job too. Um, I love thinking and talking about unschooling. So this is 
really perfect for me <laughs> to be able to do that. Um, I love listening to podcasts, particularly ones that deal with human psychology, like um, Hidden Brain is one of my favorite podcasts right now. And then whenever I need like a little unschooling boost, I listen to your podcast as well, Pam. And then I also dive into the Living Joyfully Network to kind of rejuvenate as well on the unschooling um, love side. I've really been enjoying playing Minecraft um, in the server that we created for Izzy. And it's got this international group of kids who are unschoolers who join in. And it's been really fun for me to just watch their creativity and their flow and just get to know all these different unschooling kids and kind of play along beside them. That's been really fun for me. Um, and I really enjoy nature, but I noticed that I'm like a small, I noticed the small things in nature, like the snail or the moss growing on the tree. And oftentimes I'll miss the big things like Joe and I would go on vacation and, and he'd go, he'd go, there's a whale. And I, I'd turn it like, where? And the whale would be gone. And I'd miss like this big wildlife event. And yet then I'll walk along and be like, look at that fungus. It's like a tiny little <laughs> piece. So, so I noticed that I'm like, I must, I notice the small things in nature, but oftentimes hilariously, I will miss these really big, big wildlife things like a whale jumping out of the water. <laughs> So, um, and then finally on me, I, I really love orchids and carnivorous plants. And then occasionally I will do some yoga. So that's me. <laughs> okay. Well, Sarah, I want to say thank you so much for the level of detail, because I think that is just so valuable for people to hear. I love, I love your description of some of Joe's interests that he can't or isn't doing in real life right now, but that they're still so valuable. It's not that he's just watching YouTube videos, right? Right. Yeah. Real. These really are interests. We are, um, I think, tuned growing up to kind of devalue that kind of stuff that, yes. that we need to be being productive or putting all our effort into something before we can call it a, an interest, something. Sure valid for ourselves. So I love that. And that your kids are interested in gaming and a lot of people will stop there, right? Like mm -hmm. they're a gamer, they're big into gaming <clears throat> and they won't notice a lot of the other things, all the other pieces of them, because we can sometimes like focus in on that and not right. notice all the other pieces so I thought that was brilliant. And yes, I've heard about how fun your server is. And yeah. I really appreciate you playing around with that. Yes. That is awesome. <laughs> yes, I've loved it. it. It is. That's the other piece, too, I think. Um, as you're, yeah, and we'll dive into this. But it, it really shines in that piece because we really can engage and play and have fun with kids just just as other beings right it's not yes. I'm you know old they, they when you lose that power dynamic you really can appreciate and just engage with them and just have so much fun with it can't you yes and just absorb all that amazing energy that kids just inevitably have they just you can just soak it up <laughs> I know, right? Because I mean, we can, I think that's part of a layer that we peel back to because sometimes that energy can feel overwhelming. Like if that's, that's right. Energy, right. Sure. But 
when we can embrace it, like I don't have to, um, I don't have to be more reserved. It doesn't mean that we have to act like kids or like they are, right? But we can completely flow with it rather than feeling kind of overwhelmed by it or a little bit more reserved with it, right? Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. And it's the difference between, you know, being childlike versus being immature. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, can, we can have that childlike energy and not kind of be very immature about it. We can just enjoy being just vibrant. And, and it's so wonderful to see my kids being vibrant because then it reminds me of how, um, you know, I'd like to be vibrant as well. And they kind of inspire me towards that, I guess. I love that word. I love that word. I'm going to have to try and remember that one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful description, something that works for, for all ages, right? And, yes. and it really brings unschooling kids' energy to mind, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. So I would love to hear more about how you discovered unschooling and what your journey to unschooling looked like. Oh, yes. This, uh, my journey was quite a long one, as I'm sure many people uh, are. Their journey is quite, quite extensive. Uh, so my parents were both teachers. My mom taught at the high school level and my dad at the collegiate level. And so I was very steeped in um, standard education models um, growing up. And both Joe and I grew up in the K through 12 public school system. So we went all the way through that. And then both of us, after high school, um, went into the United States Military Academy at West Point. And that's actually where we met. So we went to a military academy for our school and then spent five years after that in military service. And so by the time um, I was pregnant with Izzy and getting out of the military, I had had, you know, the 12 years of public schooling and nine years of military school and military service. And those really impacted like my vision for what I thought my life would look like. And so when I got out of the military, I was pregnant with, with Izzy and I had a very structured vision for how my life would go, what my future kids would be. And in my vision, my kids were in school. I was working full time. Um, I was valuing a schooled education um, we were doing organized extracurricular activities like in music and sports, particularly. Um, and I had a definite idea of who my kids would be um, and how they would behave. Uh, and and I, I had this vision of the children were like pieces of clay to be molded. And I even remember thinking that, you know, I had that visual of, OK, this child is going to come into this world. They're going to be this piece of clay. And then through my my interactions with them, I will mold them into the person that I know they need to be to be happy and successful. And so that's kind of where I entered in to parenting and when I was pregnant before Izzy arrived. Um, but then Izzy arrived and it they made it very clear from the time that they were just a baby and, and couldn't even lift their head, you know, that they had different plans. And so and they were passionate and they were determined and they were persistent and they were outspoken and they were so firmly rooted in their own sense of self. And oftentimes their sense of self was very different than the vision I had for them. And so they very much resisted all of my attempts to mold them 
and shape them as this piece of clay into the person that I thought that they should be. And I used all the mainstream parenting techniques to try to do that to Izzy. Um, I would punish them and I tried to reward them and bribe them and coerce them and manipulate them and even shame them into to being becoming this vision that I had to shape them. And those were the tools that I was using to do that. Um, and so, you know, daily living, they just, they, they didn't align with my vision of them. And that was causing quite a bit of tension. Um, and then also with school, you know, they seemed to do okay with preschool. It was only, you know, three days per week, a couple hours per day. But then when they got into kindergarten and I put Izzy into kindergarten, they clearly weren't flourishing. And I knew this because they would come home and just kind of explode. And I wasn't with them in kindergarten, so I didn't know exactly what was wrong and why the system wasn't working for them, but I could tell that it wasn't working for them and meeting their needs. And I tried to work with the school, um, within the school system to, to figure out how I could meet my child's needs in the system better. And I very quickly realized that the school really couldn't um, flex the way that I was thinking they needed to flex to, to accept my child and, and help them flourish in that system. And so after kindergarten, it just happened to be that we were moving across the country from Washington State to Boston. And I figured it was the perfect time to just try homeschooling. You know, I was like, well, in my mind, I was like, I can't screw up first grade. We're just gonna try this for a year. I know kindergarten in public schools didn't work for Izzy, so I'm just gonna try something and I cannot screw them up in one year. And so I, when we went to Boston, I never enrolled them into public schools. I did enroll them into an online learning academy and I kind of started preparing lessons for them and you know, kind of assuming that teacher role. Um, and then simultaneously when we were in, in Boston, um, I joined a play group and I met parents that were parenting in a way that I had never seen before. I mean, they were peaceful and they were respectful and just the ways that they talked to their kids and about their kids was completely different than anything I had ever experienced. And I was really drawn to their, their ways of being with their children. And I wanted to be more like that. And so um, sim also simultaneously, I was noticing how my kids were learning naturally so well. Like we would be having fun riding the bus and the subway and we'd be playing and we'd be going to museums and they were just really bubbly, bubbling over with all of this excitement of all the things they were learning. But then when it came to the structured things like the worksheets and the piano lessons they really didn't wanna go to and the online academy, they were either just clearly not really enjoying that or actually fighting me and not, you know, very strongly resisting my attempts to, you know, kind of do the more structured stuff. And so it kind of started happening all at once where, you know, peaceful parenting and this idea of how kids learn naturally, like it was just kind of piecing all these things together. Um, and it, there came a point, you know, about a year into homeschooling where I was fairly comfortable with the educational side of unschooling. Like I had watched how my kids learned and I was like, I got it. And I understood that they were learning so much without me controlling that, trying to control that learning. But I was still pretty uncomfortable with kind of the whole life 
or the kind of what some people refer to as the radical side of unschooling. Um, so I continued to control them in areas like technology and food and sleep because I just wasn't comfortable with that yet. Um, but then, and so this is a really long story, isn't it? It's fascinating. <laughs> well, so then basically what happened was, so I, I was moving towards peaceful parenting. I was accepting the educational side of unschooling, but I was controlling in these other life areas. And it just so happened that my kids loved technology. And so they wanted to spend far more time on the computer playing than I was allowing. And I found myself spending very much of my energy enforcing these limits and these rules and these boundaries and clashing a lot with my kids over what I thought was a very valid like thing at the time that I was protecting them from this very dangerous thing called technology. Um, but it got to be so uncomfortable. Like, again, my kids were just so strong and I'm so grateful for them. Um, they would not accept being controlled. And there were days that were so uncomfortable for me while I was enforcing these time limits and kind of just kind of consuming the day in this very negative energy that I started to question the whole idea around control. Uh, to begin with. And, you know, could I really control another human being? I realized, well, no, I can't. I might be able to change their, their behavior, but I can't change what they're thinking or what they're feeling. Um, and I just felt exhausted that, you know, I was, I was a policeman in my own home and I felt exhausted by that. And I saw how it was negatively impacting my relationship with my kids. And so I started listening to your podcast, Pam, and other stories of unschoolers who didn't limit technology and grown unschoolers who were grateful for how their parents didn't limit and how that had opened up so much for them. And there basically came a point where after much pain, because it really was painful to, to release this control and work through those underlying assumptions and fears, um, but there came a point where I reached a threshold where I was finally ready to release that control surrounding technology. And it really was like a watershed paradigm shift moment for me where once I was ready to release it, I felt, and I did, I felt just this weight of this, um, the, the idea that I needed to control this for a person, that was a weight on my shoulders. And when I released that, I felt this lightness and I could see now this realm and this direction that I could head where I could be connected with my kids, not controlling them. And we could have this beautiful relationship and I could see it. And I wanted to be there like right away. <laughs> but of course it took years and years, and years. <laughs> but, but I could see it, right. It was like in the realm of the possible now for me. And that paradigm shift I'd say happened about like four and a half years ago, five years ago. And we've just kind of been walking towards connection and away from control ever since. And it's been wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful, Sarah. Thank you. I tell you, when you were talking about the um, playing that that controlling role, that policing role, almost around time, like you pulled me right back to right at the beginning of my journey, where um, I I was doing the same thing. It was like, okay, um, my eldest loved to play video games, 
But I would say uh, you can play all you want after three o'clock. Like I still had the school timing, right? Sure. During the day we need to do, you know, more academic learning things. And then, sure. and, and our days very quickly turned into, is it three o'clock yet? How much longer? And just like agonizing hours until that time came. And exactly, that was the spur. It's like, this doesn't feel right. There's something here. And I love the the way you said, and simultaneously this, and simultaneously this, because that's that was it for me too. It's like the different pieces. The when we would go places or we would be doing something that they wanted to do, just the energy, the spark, the learning, the fun. And then when I pull out a worksheet or something that I thought they should be learning. Oh my gosh, like it was a different person showed up and they did not want to be there. And what I knew should only take five minutes was like a half an hour of like, just, just one more, just one more. Yes. Oh my gosh. Different pieces, right? And, and when you start making the connections between them, it's like, oh, you know, that they're resistant because it's me when they're interested. Look at them dive in. And that learning, that's a learning that sticks too, right? You start to see when you go back to the worksheets, it's like if they did it the day before, you know, it's gone. Right. <laughs> Summer slide in yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All those pieces. And then for me, it was also so after three dive into the games but choosing to start paying attention when I was starting to get curious like this is not working I'm not going to do this for for years this doesn't feel good starting to see the learning that was happening while they were playing like you were talking about the stats and the numbers like I was seeing that going holy bananas just because they're doing it in this context doesn't mean it's not real. Like that's real learning there. That is number manipulation. That is stats. That is all the things. And then opening up more and seeing more and more things they were learning. It just was in a context at which, with which at first I was uncomfortable and scared of and fearful of. Right. Right. And when we're in that place of fear, we, we get that tunnel vision where we can't see, we can only see our fear and only see the desire to control, to mitigate that fear. And we, we stop being able to see what's actually happening in front of us, which actually might be very beautiful. And we miss it all because we're so focused on that fear and the need to control. Yeah, yeah, that tunnel vision, absolutely. That is something to move. You really need to move through that fear first before you can start seeing things. Because when you're in that fearful mode and you're looking through that lens, you're really only seeing the pieces that reinforce the story that you're telling yourself in that moment, right? You you don't notice all the other pieces. Um, So when we first connected, you had mentioned how moving to unschooling impacted every aspect of your life. And so far, I'm loving the the depth and the breadth of your answers because that is shining through already. <laughs> lots and lots of information. <laughs> so I thought we'd step through a few aspects of that. And I thought we'd start with learning. And you mentioned, and we've been talking a little bit about how um, 
your idea of learning has grown as you came through to unschooling. Um, I was just wondering, was there more you wanted to share about that aspect? Get some more stories. Sure. Yeah, I've got, oh yes, Pam, I can talk forever. Just ask my, just ask my husband. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So starting out just to kind of show the transition and the progression here, um, starting out, I believe that the best learning happened in a classroom and with a teacher and that people needed a packet of knowledge in order to be successful. It was a very specific packet and it was the packet honestly provided by schools Mm -hmm. and that kids needed to be told what to learn or they wouldn't learn it. And then finally, I believe that something that learning was not only something that I could control for my kids, but that I actually should control in order to ensure that I was being a good parent and setting my kid up for success in the world. And what I've come to learn through unschooling is that my idea of learning has just become so much more expansive. And so now I believe, and and I just know it in my core, that the best learning happens when people, and my kids are people, are pursuing their passions. And that if my kids, I trust that if my kids truly need to learn something that's relevant to them and that they're developmentally ready to learn, they're going to be able to learn it because that's what humans do. We are wonderful at learning. Um, You know, we're learning machines, basically. Um, I've also come to realize that learning doesn't need to look like anything in particular. Like learning could be someone quietly watching YouTube on the TV, um, on their iPads while they're cocooned under a blanket, you know, and I don't see them for a couple of hours. You know, that's learning just as going outside and looking at ants crawling on the ground can be learning. It doesn't need to look like anything, but it definitely feels like something which is joyful and kind of in the moment and absorbed. That's what learning feels like. And so I've really worked on and also believe now that that no type of learning is more valuable than another type of learning. So I think it's just as valuable that my kids learn what types of food they like or when they like to go to sleep or that they get overwhelmed with auditory sensory things. Learning that is just as important as them learning how to read or learning how to manipulate numbers. It's all learning and it's all incredibly valuable. And what makes it valuable is that it's valuable to the learner, not that I value it, but that the the, the person actually doing the thing values it. Um, And then again, just that learning isn't something that I can control for another person. And not only can I not control it, but that when I try to, it actually negatively impacts their ability to learn. Um, But what I can do, if I can't, I can't control someone's learning, but what I can do and what I try to do as an unschooling parent is to create an environment where my kids are emotionally and physically safe, feel safe to just explore the world in the ways that they want to explore it. And I can bring in resources that I think might light my kids up and I can engage with my kids and I can be excited about whatever it is that they're doing, you know, like really be in the moment. And that's how I can kind of facilitate learning without controlling it. Um, And that basically my final kind of huge big picture takeaway and realization was that 
I didn't need to learn, worry about learning at all because whereas in school, learning is the goal, um, I found that learning is never the goal. It's just this byproduct of us just living this beautiful life together. And so, and so as long as I cultivate and build a strong relationship with my kids, the learning is just going to take care of itself. And I don't even need to worry about it. <laughs> it's just going to happen. So those are my big like kind of shifts in my ideas of what learning um, was, where I was before to where I am kind of now. That's brilliant. I remember that so clearly, that realization that <clears throat> in that learning was happening no matter what, and rather if I just focused on the relationships and helping them do the things that they were interested in doing, it just happened along the way, right? It, it it's really it's really hard to tell somebody fresh, like, don't worry about the learning when they're first coming. <laughs> Well, that's probably why they arrived at unschooling to begin with, was this idea of the learning, right? So maybe you don't have to worry about the learning. They're not going to school, so we're going right. to be in charge of their learning. And of course, that, you know, what you you were talking about before, we want to help our children. We want, you know, to help them um, become a successful adult. You know, that whole ethos, we want to be a good parent. Um, so that is where we start. Can you talk a little bit more just about how, like, you, so you talked about where you started and where you ended, um, the transition piece. Oh, okay. Like what, yeah. what helped a little bit to help you go from one to the next? Really what helped me, and I'll just keep using technology as the example, sure. um, because that was the really huge and painful paradigm shift for me was the technology piece. I had other shifts that I was making after that, but the technology was really big for me. And so what I found helpful was that um, I would try to join my kids in whatever it was that they were doing instead of stepping back and, and viewing it as a, okay, they're on the computer. It's this monolithic computer time. You know, I'd, I'd try to sit next to them if they were willing to let me watch and ask them questions. And I could I could just hear through their conversations. They would throw out these pieces of knowledge that I go, where the heck did you learn that? And and just and just being with them and actually playing with them. So I actually bought myself a gaming computer so that I could join them, you know, in Roblox and in Minecraft and in these virtual worlds and as I did that as well, I learned how much I was learning in these spaces as well. And I could see, you know, oh my gosh, video games, these are real emotions. Like we're dealing with frustration and fear and happiness. And it's all happening in this virtual world, but they're very real. And so really, really focusing on what my kids were doing um, and trying to name it specifically. And, and in the beginning, I almost had to like say, okay, well, they're doing this subject right now. Like, okay, my kid is building in Minecraft. That's dealing with shapes. So therefore this is kind of math and geometry related. And I almost had to walk myself through um, like almost assigning their activities to like a more uh, traditional schooled 
uh, vocabulary for myself in the beginning so that I could start becoming comfortable that yes, okay, they are learning, they are doing math, they are, it's a very non-traditional way. But, um, you know, in the beginning, I needed to do that for myself. And now, um, sometimes it's fun for me to do it like, oh, this is geography. Okay. Okay. Brian's now attacking South America with his forces. You know, it's like he's learning geography. It's still fun for me to kind of think about it like that, but um, it's not so much a need for me to kind of prove that they're learning. Um, whereas in the beginning, it's pretty uncomfortable. And, um, you know, I was anchoring back to what I was comfortable with, which was that school model and, and assigning their activities to that school model so that I could, you know, be comfortable that, okay, yeah, they're, they really are learning in, in this way. I think that can be such a helpful transition step because I think we, we need to learn that. We need to see what's happening. We need to understand. That helps us understand how unschooling works through whatever lens of whatever is feeling most challenging for us, right? Because if, you know, in talking for many years with um, other unschooling families, I feel if, if we take too big of a leap, you know, and just say, you know, say, okay, we're staying with the technology example. Yeah, you know, it's okay. They all say it's okay for them to play on the computer. I'm just going to get comfortable with that, right? So you just let them play. It's like, man, they play all day and you do your thing and and that's kind of where it goes. And you just kind of sit in your uncomfortableness and say, well, really, I shouldn't be uncomfortable <laughs> with this. It's okay. They're, everyone's telling me it's okay. You know, that's not going to last forever, number one. Um, and you're not, you're not going to see how unschooling works. You're not going to build trust in the process of unschooling. If the thing that is most challenging for you, you're not seeing how it unfolds. And then the relationship piece that we talked about, you're not, if you're not connecting with them through the things that they enjoy and seeing them in action and seeing unschooling in action and seeing all the different pieces that are involved, like, when somebody's pursuing an interest, no matter what it is, there are emotional pieces that are part of it, right? There's sourcing information that's part of it. There's the actual kind of figuring things out to accomplish what, like, every interest or passion can be such a window to the whole world. Like, there'll be a historical aspect to whatever it is. How did that interest come into the world? You know, sure. where is it geographically located? Where, you know, is it European soccer? Is it German? You know, what? <laughs> it's, it's everywhere, right? It's right. everything. So if you connect with your kids through the things that they're interested in, which is, you know, what we talk about so much when you're beginning unschooling, you know, just don't worry about the things, but connect with your kids and engage with them in what they're doing and see it. And so often that language helps us get to, oh, yeah, look, they're doing this and they're doing this. And, you know, there's a little map. Here's a little bit of reading. They're reading some more words in their game now that they weren't before, that I was reading for them before. Like there are so many different aspects and it can really help to put it in the language that we know now as part of the transition that helps us. And then we start, we start to see how limiting that language becomes as we grow out of it. It's like, there's just so many things, so many aspects to this one thing. 
And you start to see how looking at it only through the historical lens or only through the numbers lens or, you know, whatever lens we're doing, we see how those pieces are all connected. And that helps us grow out of the need for the language. But we need something that we can latch onto. It's like, like our kids with their interests. If we watch them, they are connecting this thing with this thing and this thing. They're growing. They're not like leaping forward because there is no connection. There's no understanding if you have too big a gap there. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Yes. And what I'm going to use your word, Pam, you're talking about how things bubble up for you. So I love that <laughs> word. I'm trying to come up with a different one. So I don't just steal your word, but I'm going to use it. So what bubbled up for me there was just um, for me in the beginning, particularly, I, I needed other people's stories. I needed to hear other unschooling stories of people reassuring me that reassured me that, yes, this is possible to move in this direction. It's not complete insanity. And I needed their stories in the beginning. But ultimately, I also needed to cultivate my own stories. So I could start with other people's stories. And those were enough to kickstart me. But then I needed to start showing my own through my own lived experience and developing my own personal stories that also supported what other people were telling me. And so that's where, you know, really getting in with your kids. It's like you, I need to have my own foundation of knowing that this is true because I can't just count. I might've, you know, that might've, you know, tipped me over to hear other people talk about it and say, yeah, this has been true for my family, but that's not going to sustain me. Um, And so, yeah, diving in and just really, again, connecting and just, finding my own stories and my own truths, and then being able to look back and say, yep, I get that now. And I have this, my own story that supports that. And it just builds on itself. It does. And what bubbled up for me there was what you said, back at the beginning. I know this in my bones. I feel this in my heart now. That is where you get to when, you know, at first you're kind of you're, you're trusting, you're borrowing some courage from people who've walked the path before, from other stories that you've heard. Okay, you know, that makes sense to me. I want to start walking in that direction. And then we start walking. But that it's important to then get our stories, to have it, to see that experience play out in our lives and understand it. That's when you really feel it in your bones. Like, this right. is my truth now because it made sense to me intellectually And it's playing out with my children, with myself, you know, whatever aspect the story is, is around. But that is how it's also working in my life and and my experiences. And that's when it becomes more of a truth for us, right? Sure. And that's what sustains us really going forward. Yes. Or else, or else you're always looking outside for validation for, or, you know, because that's the other really interesting thing. Unschooling families are all different. People, kids are all different, you know, so it's not going to look exactly the same, but that's where you build the trust. If, if all you rely on moving forward is the outside stories and outside reassurance, when a little tweak happens and something's a little bit different, you have to go back outside because you're not understanding it. Um, 
into your own depth that you can see and understand what right. that tweak is and be confident in how that tweak works and why that tweak works for your family and that that's okay. Sure. You know, there's nothing wrong with going back out. But like you were saying, if you're forever having to keep going back out for reassurance as to what's happening, it doesn't sustain you. Another great right. word. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have talked about this a little bit, but I want to dive deeper into relationships. Um, You had mentioned that big shift um, in how we relate to our kids moving away from control and focusing more on connection. And that is, that was a huge shift for me. I think for many parents, as they come to embrace unschooling, it is a big shift. So I would love to hear some more stories about your experience with that. Sure. Uh, So my relationship with my kids since as we've moved further and further into unschooling uh, has just felt so much stronger and so much more connected and so much just more joyful. I can, we're more joyful with each other um, in this space of connectedness. And so I now feel like I can celebrate my kids for their authentic selves. I, I no longer have this vision and then I'm no longer feeling frustrated when my kid doesn't meet my my vision. And they can sense that, you know, they can sense that celebration and kind of relax into that and truly, you know, hone in on who they are because they can sense my energy around, you know, feeling really celebratory about their authenticity, right? So <laughs> they just feel that. And so I love our conversations And I love, you know, when we're connecting while I'm watching them play a game or when I'm actually diving in and playing with them. And I also love that they're comfortable sharing with me um, their selves that aren't so perfect. And so that they trust that they don't need to be like a certain kind of person to be around me. They can show me all of their colors and I'm going to to help them and, and celebrate them and, and validate them wherever they happen to be. And sometimes that means I walk into a room and a kid's like, hey, mom, go away. <laughs> you know, they just let me know. And and I don't feel insulted by that. I'm like, OK, they, they've just told me something true about themselves and I'm fine with that. OK, I'll go away. Um, and so I just love that, you know, they they have that trust in me and we have that connection where you know, they don't just have to be happy, but the right kind of happy and not too loud happy, you know, around me, they can be just their genuine selves. And then I can meet them there in that genuineness and really connect with like who they are in that moment. And that just feels wonderful to me. And I think it also feels wonderful that for them as well. And something I just I loved thinking about this question because it it helped kind of solidify something for me that I'd never quite thought of it in this way. But before in schooling, when I had kind of like a controlling, more power-based relationship with my kid, kids, I definitely put lots of energy into my kids. I wasn't a bad mom at that time, but a lot of my energy, and we all have just a finite amount of energy. We, we don't have infinite energy. So I was putting lots of energy into controlling my kids. Um, and I found that the more energy I put into controlling them, I didn't really get that energy back. It, it was gone. So anything that I invested in control, 
I spent it and I, and I wasn't getting it back in the context of my relationship with my kids, because whether you're the one controlling or you're the one being controlled, being in a controlled power-based relationship is really kind of draining. (laughs) Um, And so even as the mom, I found that the more I controlled, the more I felt like I needed to escape my kids. I needed to escape this relationship so that I could replenish the energy that I had lost while I was controlling them. Um, And again, I wasn't controlling them all the time. I had moments of joy um, and connection with my kids. But again, when I was controlling, that energy was gone and I wasn't getting it back in the context of our relationship. And so what I found with unschooling is that I'm focusing now solely on building this connected relationship with my kids. And I'm spending lots of energy, just like when I was controlling, I'm spending lots of energy, but this time that energy is spent, you know, cultivating that mindset and the stories and the patience and the presence so that I can go and meet my kids where they are in this space of connection. And that takes a lot of energy. But what I found is that much of that energy comes back to me now in the context of our relationship. And so because being in a strong, connected relationship is rejuvenating, you know, that's just human nature. If we're in a strong, connected relationship, we feel rejuvenated by that relationship. And so I no longer feel like I've got to escape my kids to replenish my own energy stores. In fact, what I find is that when I'm feeling a little bit low on energy, it usually means I'm kind of disconnected a little bit from them. And I actually need to lean in a little bit more to our connection and kind of reabsorb some of those good feels, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) Um, And so I find myself being replenished in our relationship. Um, Whereas, you know, before with the control, I wasn't. And so now if I want to leave the house, it's not because I'm trying to escape or run away from my kids. It's because I'm moving towards something that I feel like is going to bring me joy. And the shift in that is, is huge and, and monumental. Wow. Yeah. That's a yeah. So I had never thought about it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Using that energy lens for it. It's so true. As you, as you just, just try that on, just try that on for size. Because the control pieces, you are investing so much energy, which is being resisted. I mean, if everybody wanted to do it, you wouldn't have to control them. <laughs> you wouldn't have to right. manipulate them to, to get it done, right? So that that energy is, is very much resisted or absorbed and doesn't come back. And that piece about um, when about when we're feeling low energy, it seems count, counterintuitive, but to go to them more, to lean in more and soak in their energy. Yes, I often too found that so re-energizing because it reminds you what's important, right? Just being in that moment and the joy and the fun and it's okay. No matter, you know, the other weight that we're carrying around, no matter what was the source of our lower energy, this is important and this is valuable and it's just darn fun, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and so my previous, myself five years ago would have just been really confused 
by everything that I just said. <laughs> and so I actually thought of an example. I was like, okay, what's something that five years ago, Sarah might have understood? Um, and I, and the example I came up with was of this energy system that I just yeah. talked about was making a snack for my kids. So let's say I'm making a snack for my kids, but I have a more control-based relationship with my kids. I put lots of energy into making this snack. And then I go to my child and I place the snack down beside them and they don't say thank you. And now all of a sudden I'm finding myself annoyed that my kid didn't say thank you. And now I either leave in a huff feeling underappreciated or I feel the need to correct, you know, you need to say thank you to me um, and, and frustrated with them because they didn't say thank you to me. Um, so I've kind of lost the, that energy there. Yeah. But then let's say they say thank you and I'm in this control-based relationship and they say thank you to me. Well, that thank you isn't really that rejuvenating because, well, they were supposed to say thank you anyway. And maybe I'm just finally relieved that they said thank you. Oh, I corrected them enough now. And now they're saying thank you. Thank goodness I don't have to remind them again, you know, kind of <laughs> and because that wasn't a true, or maybe I get frustrated with them because they said thank you, but it wasn't in the right tone. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think they may, meant it. Yeah. And, so, and so that's kind of the control-based, like, and the reason I felt all that before. So I like know exactly where it's coming from. But then let's say I'm making a, a snack, but I have a connections-based focus for my kid. And again, just as in the control-based, relationship. I'm putting energy into this snack. But this time when I walk up and I place the snack beside my kid and they don't say thank you, maybe I just revel in the fact that they're so focused on what they're doing that they didn't even notice that I came in the room. Or maybe I can kind of get a few giggles that, you know, I'm kind of like this, like a Santa Claus or an Easter bunny who just comes in and magically leaves treats for my kids without them even knowing. Like maybe that's my kid's perspective. Like I'm this magical being. And I can do that for my kids. So when they say, don't say thank you, it's like, I can still get good energy back from that. But then if they say thank you, I know that that's a genuine thank you coming from a genuine person. And that really fills me up because they didn't have to say thank you, but they took that time to look at me and recognize my efforts. And so Again, with the connection, it's like I get some of that energy back when I'm interacting with my kids, whereas when I'm more interested or more focused on the control, I still put that energy in. But then when I interact with my kids, it's like I'm not I'm not really getting it back. And the difference is not in how my kids act and what they do. It's all about me. And so that's kind of like, okay, five-year-old, five years ago, Sarah, this is kind of what I'm talking about when I say that energy piece. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a brilliant example. I love that. And, and I love the point too, about in that controlling mindset, you know, there's the frustration, the negative energy, if they don't say thank you. And yet, even if they do, there's often the tweak. Yeah. They're just, they're parroting back it back because they're supposed to. There's no real appreciation or gratitude in it, or it's very hard to sense because then you've got to try to peel back that layer if they really mean it or not, et cetera. There's just so much weight and so much lost energy 
through that approach. Yeah. When we're looking at it through energy levels. I love that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, we're talking about relationships and I can't talk about relationships with also talking about my partner and my relationship with my partner, um, Joe. And so I've been, like I said, working really hard to build this connected, trusting relationship with my kids. And that's been going on now for, you know, four and a half, five years. We're moving into that. Uh, And what I found, though, is that for, for, for many years, I've been holding my partner separate. And I've been not quite extending him the same level of that kindness and grace and thoughtfulness that I've been extending my kids because he's an adult and he should know better and he should be able to take care of himself and just all these stories that I was telling myself. Um, And so I've really had a double standard there for a while I mean, years where I was doing these things for my kids and we were feeling so great and warm and fuzzy and I was seeing all these wonderful things, but then here's my partner and I'm not quite, I'm not quite doing that with him. And I had my reasons for why, but you know, I would get, or where I would notice I was trying to control my partner, like in the way he interacted with our kids, like control his relationship with the kids, or I would get frustrated because he was spending all of his time, understandably, he's the breadwinner. So most of his energy is going towards, you know, making the money and working at his job. And, and he's not where he hasn't spent that energy in unschooling that I have. And, oh, he needs to be where I am. And then getting frustrated when he's not. Um, all of those control pieces that I was still kind of applying that I I knew fundamentally didn't work with my kids and yet I was still holding them for my partner. And it's only been within the last year or so that I've finally kind of released, felt myself release that need to control my partner as well. It's like all these layers of control that just keep kind of popping up and going, oh, Sarah, you're doing it again, you know? <laughs> you know? And I don't wanna move in that direction. And so I've noticed that, you know, you know, my partner is wonderfully supportive of unschooling, but he doesn't want to read about it. And this isn't his passion, you know, and that's okay. And that piece used to frustrate me that like, why can't he be passionate like me about unschooling and want to talk about it all the time? And, you know, he just wanted to live. And so, and I say just, he wanted to live unschooling and he's been supportive of me, but he didn't want to go into a five hour conversation with me about, you know, autonomy and all this. So what I found is that as as I've released that control surrounding my partner as well, that I just feel like there's more warmth um, between us and that there's more connection and more just of that compassion and that understanding and just the feeling how good it feels to be focused on connecting with my partner as opposed to controlling and being frustrated when I can't control this other person. And again, it just amazes me that, you know, these layers keep showing up. And I kind of viewed my partner as he's probably like my final frontier. I know there are other layers of control in there, but, you know, for my nuclear family, like he's my final frontier for releasing this control and having, you know, the same level of connectedness 
um, with my partner as I do with my kids. And so it's been wonderful, you know, to realize that and then to be moving um, in the direction of connection. And I think I think he can sense the difference as well. Um, because everyone just kind of relaxes a little bit more mm-hmm. when that's the environment. So Yes. <laughs> even that overt um control, like even when we're just wishing, I wish you were, you know, as excited as I was about this. I wish you were in relationship with our kids the way I'm in relationship with our kids. They can feel that energy, right? They can feel that sense of I'm not living up to expectations that they have. So yeah, I can, and in my experience, it's It is just so much more relaxing and opening when we can peel back that next layer of control and see how it's um, part of our adult relationships as well. And questioning, why does it need to be there? Why do I have these expectations of this other person? Is that serving me? Is it serving them? Is it serving our relationship? Like to just start digging into that and like, I love my relationship with my kids. You know, how does that kind of apply to my partner? Like just all those pieces. And it just, it does bring such a lightness to it, right? Yes. Energy yes. really is a, a great lens to look at yes. through, right? <laughs> yes, it's kind of something we kind of swim through. I feel like, you know, we all have this aura, this energy aura, and it is palpable. And so, yeah, that that energy of judgment um, is, again, is palpable and including for our kids and then also for our partners. And I found that to be true for me as well. Speaking of that leads very nicely to our next question, because that, that was another piece for me too. Like, so unschooling is about my kids not going to school. And then we, so then we worked our way through learning and then we focused on our relationships and learn the importance of that. And then that grew into our partner. And, you know, we're kind of often last in line there. <laughs> so uh, I was wondering if you could talk about how embracing unschooling has changed your relationship with yourself and how you just engage in your days. That's like another layer, isn't it? Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> and this, this was definitely a byproduct that I wasn't expecting. Uh, I wasn't expecting this area of growth. Um, but what I found was that when I was restricting or judging my kids um, in certain spaces, that I had also been, you know, in kind of having that restrictive space to for them to operate in, that I had been living my life in that restricted space as well. And so, and I was judging myself in the, the ways that I was judging my kids. And so what I found was that, you know, as I challenged these restrictive ways of thinking and these control-based ideas, and I started to really stretch my comfort zones so that my kids could exist authentically in these spaces. You know, I was stretching for them, but then what I found was that when I stretched for them, I then had the space to also be authentic in those areas where before I might not have been. And so 
I have a few examples. And again, this has permeated all of life. Oh, Pam, you knew I was going to have some examples. <laughs> <didn't you? laughs> oh my gosh. So um, <laughs> you know, the examples I have for myself of kind of this, where I've stretched for my kids, but then gone, oh, I can now breathe here too, is that is, for example, food. Um, I used to eat all the food or feel obligated to eat all the food in front of me, whether I liked it or not. Um, you know, I, you finish your plate, you eat what's in front of you. And so I've worked really hard to release that control around food for my kids because I wanted them to be able to trust their own body signals and to learn what foods they liked um, and how and when and how much they liked to eat. And so watching them, like they eat so intuitively. It's like they eat what they like, they stop when they're done. And if they don't like it, they leave it. It's so simple, right? And so watching them, like they'll have a piece of pizza and they only like the pepperoni off the pizza. Well, they just eat the pepperoni and they leave the rest. Whereas I'm sitting there like, there's that's a piece of pizza. Why aren't you eating the whole thing? You know? And so I finally. Um, this is just one example of the food piece, but I finally have realized after all these years that I don't like the crust on my sandwiches. And I finally given myself permission to cut the crust off my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> and so it's just like, you know, it's this space where I'm like, oh, I don't have to eat the crust. I'm going to cut the crust off and doing it. And like, it just feels so empowering for some reason to cut the crust off that, that sandwich. Um, and so, um, the other piece was with reading. So for the longest time, I wished that I was more of a reader. You know, I wanted to be one of these people that had these five books that they were reading simultaneously and they were always carrying books around. And I just never was that person. And so I worked, I was working really hard to value all the learning for my kids. Like no matter what the learning was or how they learned, I was working really hard to, to value that. And I noticed that my kids also aren't really book readers. Like they read a lot in their video games and they read a lot in YouTube and when they're chatting, you know, in game with people, but they don't sit down with books either. That's not their preferred style of learning. And so then it made me go, huh, well, why, why do I think that I should be reading all these books? And finally realizing that, oh, I can celebrate the fact that I'm not a book reader. I'd much rather listen to a podcast or watch a documentary or a movie than I would sit down and read a book. And that's beautiful. You know, I can celebrate that now instead of kind of lament it. Um, and then the last little piece, and again, there are so many, but I just kind of pulled out a few examples. But, you know, my whole idea about finishing things, for the longest time, I felt obligated that if I started something, I needed to finish it. You know, like, okay, it's an art project. I gotta uh, finish that art project. I've gotta finish that piece of food. I've gotta, I'm a finisher. <laughs> and I've just observed how, you know, my kids go so easily between activities. And when something no longer captivates them, they just move on. And there's no guilt or shame that they carry about that. that. And there have been times where they're, they'll be watching a YouTube video and there'll be 30 seconds left in the YouTube video and they'll switch it. And I find myself going, wait, 
you haven't finished it yet. It's just 30 more seconds, you know, kind of this like, you got to finish it. And then I catch myself and my, my kids are like, well, it's, it's not interesting anymore. I'm switching it, you know, and they've got 30 seconds left, which drives me bonkers, <laughs> bonkers for some reason. Well, I know why it drives me bonkers, but, you know, um, yeah. so it's just this whole idea that choosing to finish something is just as valid a choice, or I should say choosing not to finish something is just as valid a choice as choosing to finish it. And so it's given me the space to be like, okay, you know, that art project was fun for a couple hours, but I don't need to do it. Or, you know, I know I bought this thing thinking I would use it this way, but it's really not lighting me up right now. So I don't need to feel bad about not engaging it with engaging with it in the way that I thought I would you know so it's again it's just this space to kind of be authentic and not judge myself and then the last little piece is the is the language piece for me that's been huge um because because I've worked so hard to think and speak kindly of my kids I am much more able to recognize when I start um, not speaking or thinking kindly of myself. And so because I've really worked to extend that graciousness to them and truly be kind and thoughtful in, in my thoughts and in my actions, I, I can see where I'm like, why am I shaming myself here? You know, why am I using that word to describe me? Um, and, and just really changing my language around myself too. Um, so those have been kind of the big kind of byproducts of, of me making space for others, but then realizing that, oh my gosh, this is really enriching me as well. It's like, oh, I'm a person too, right? (laughs) Definitely. It's so true because at first it's the realization, you know, kids are people too. Yeah. You hear that phrase, but when you really dig into that and what that means day to day, you know, it fosters these beautiful relationships. And then when we bring it back to ourselves, we start to know that's, that's just when it becomes more obvious when we're not treating ourselves in the same way. And and then questioning, you know, why aren't I doing that? And I, I just laugh so hard at, with your first story because, you know, just before the call, I took the crust off my peanut butter and jam sandwich yes, and it yes. still gives a little thrill, doesn't it? It's yes. Like- <laughs> I don't have to eat the crust. <laughs> oh, so absolutely. But yeah, it's, it is amazing how our, our internal, our own inner world grows in that space that we're creating for them because, and, you know, that's it. With our kids, the space grows, it extends to our partner. And then, you know, it, it extends for our inner life as well. And all of those layers, as we're peeling back, just bring us each more authentically into the moment, right? Yeah. Without that judgment, without that expectations, and so much amazingness for lack of a better word just just comes into being in that space right when when you we have so many less layers that are weighing us down you know back to the energy right when we can all come with that openness and energy um it it just 
really helps these moments unfold. They unfold beautifully, creatively, joyfully, like all the, all the adjectives, right? (laughs) Right. And it really is self-sustaining too. It really is. I love that. I love that. Okay. So what is your favorite thing about the flow of your unschooling days right now? So I totally could not choose one, Pam. So (laughs) I've got kind of a few things that I'm just loving right now. So I love how, um, from a higher kind of philosophical level, how unschooling for me has moved beyond an educational model and has become this practice, like it's a way of life for me. Um, So that's been beautiful for me. But the other thing is I love how it's provided this time and this space for all of us in the family to be and to explore and to all be authentically ourselves but also interacting and learning how to be authentic with other people who are authentic in a different way than we are. (laughs) And I just love, you know, the connections that I have with my kids um, and how joy and connection are the navigational beacons for my unschooling days and how my children really are my truest guides because they don't have all those layers. And so if they're responding to something negatively, or I can feel that energy shift, I just know something's going on that I probably want to look into because they are my true guides. Um, And I'm just, just love that unschooling has helped me be so honored, like feel honored and grateful that I get to walk beside my, my kids and my partner on this path together. And we don't know where it leads but that it's going to go somewhere in that space of connection. It will go someplace beautiful and unexpected. And that also I'm actually living in the beauty in this moment. It's it's also the beauty. So lots of stuff I love about unschooling, but there you go. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was amazing, Sarah. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much, Pam. <laughs> I really, really appreciate it. And before we go, where can people connect with you online? So I am not super, I'm not super available online. I am am on Facebook and I do have an email account. And I'm also on the Living Joyfully Network um, that you founded, Pam. So those are the places that people can find me. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. And please enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Pam. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey and be sure to check out the growing podcast archive the conversations never go out of date you can find more information about my books the living joyfully network online community and the childhood redefined unschooling summit online course at my website livingjoyfully.ca